0: Yeah, we got some bad blood. We want to try and avoid that, and that's what we're talking about in this series, because uh, really, we want to figure out how do we have best friends, like great friends, and, you know, when you think about it, uh, a dog really is man's best friend, right? I mean, a dog really is man's best friend. If you're going to have a pet, the number one choice, obviously, is a dragon, but a follow-up to that, like close runner-up, is going to be a dog, uh, because dog is man's best friend, and... Um, I came across 10 uh, reasons why dogs really are so great for, for people to have as pets. Uh, one of those reasons is that if you have a dog, you never need to get a vacuum cleaner or a dishwasher because you could just have the dog lick your plate. You can, uh, if you drop something on the ground, they're gonna come back and clean it up for you. You don't have to worry about it. So it's a great reason to get a dog. Another reason to have a dog is uh, because you will never have to eat alone if you have a dog. Like the dog will just be there with you the whole time while you're eating and they'll remind you every once in a while with a whimper that they're there, just letting you know that just in case you forgot. Uh, Another great reason for you to have a dog is um, dogs treat you like rock stars, right? They boost your confidence. And so every time you come home, they're going to be there to greet you and treat you like you're the greatest person in the world. They, They love it. And so it's a great confidence booster to have a dog. Uh, another reason why you should get a dog if you want to have a pet or if you're thinking about having a pet, why a dog is a great choice, is because dogs have really bad short-term memories and they have really great long-term memories. And so when you respond in frustration because a dog was in your way, they'll forget that really quick and they'll still come back to you and they remember the long-term bond that you've developed and you have this lifelong friend and a dog. And so it, it really is true that dogs are man's best friends. Now, Nobody ever says that about cats, right? <laughs> Nobody ever says that about cats because if dogs are man's best friends, then cats are the spawns of Satan, right? <laughs> and, it, and I know I know that may seem a, a bit too strong. Well, cats are the devil's minions, all right? Like they are terrible because here's the deal. Dogs love you. Dogs want you. Dogs need you. Dogs desire you. Cats hate you. Cats don't like you. They think you exist for them. Cats want to kill you, right? And what I've come to discover is that the world is made up with all kinds of different people. There there are people who really are diehard dog fans. They love dogs no matter what, and they have dogs. There's people who like dogs, and they have dogs. And then there's people who are okay with dogs, and they have dogs, But that's not the case with cat people. Like, if you have a cat, you are a diehard cat fan. Like, you have to be. If you just kind of like cats, you're not going to have a cat. If you you don't like cats, you're definitely not going to have a cat. Like, when it comes to cats, people who have cats are cat people. There's no, it's like 100% cat person. There's no in between. And because this is true, I wasn't surprised when this product came on the market because I found people are in love with their cats. And this is a real product that you can really buy online. I want to show you their Kickstarter video that came out five years ago. Check this out. Without the fur balls. Introducing Licky Brush. Cats groom each other as a form of social bonding. As a human, you're left out of this intimate ritual. With Licky Brush, you can now lick your cat back. You gotta be a diehard cat person, you know what I'm saying? This is weird. Here, I wanna, I wanna show you some of, the, some of the bullet points that are on the Licky Brush website. Cats groom each other as a form of social bonding. There's also evidence to suggest that cats view and treat their human captors as large cats. As a human, you're left out of the intimate licking ritual. At best, you have a one-sided licking relationship with your cat. Does this feel weird already? We have designed Licky Brush to bring you and your cat closer. By using Licky with your cat on a regular basis, you'll develop a more intimate and bonded relationship, much like a mama cat bonds with her young. Listen, we live in a society where people are buying tools so that they can lick their cat to have a closer bond with their cat. It's because of this, I think we need to talk about how to have healthy friendships, right? And that's what this series is all about. How do we have healthy friendships? Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Someone once said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs in the scripture, said it this way Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, our, our lives, your life, and the quality of your life is largely dependent on the people in it. Your, the quality of your life is dependent largely on the people who are in it and the relationships that you have. And I want to say it this way, so go ahead and take out your phone, uh, take a picture of this. This is how we take notes around here, by taking pictures. So I'm going to say it this way, and and I want you to take a picture of this so you can have it as a note. It is impossible to have the right life with the wrong friends. Leave that up there. It is impossible to have the right life with the wrong friends. You just can't do it. This is this is a message that we see in the scriptures, and this is what we've seen in our own lives. We're in the midst of the series called Intimacy, and it's all about how do we move from an Instagram world where a lot of our interaction happens online, to and, and, and we have distant friendships, and, and we're so connected and yet we're disconnected as well. How do we move from an intimacy kind of interaction with people to an intimacy kind of reaction, to an intimate kind of interaction? with people. And, and the definition of intimacy is to know and to be known, to know and to be known. And that's what we all want. That's what we desire. That's what we hope for. We want to know and be known. And so how do we live this way in our lives? This is what we're looking at through this series. And to do this, I want to take a look at some principles that we see in the scriptures today. And here's my challenge for you, is to simply live out the light found in the scriptures. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's word. We're going to look to see what does God have to say about relationships and friendships. And my challenge for you is to not push back against it. Not to say, yeah, but what about? Or, okay, God knows about the rocks and plants and trees and birds, but I think I know better about my friendships than he does. No, no. I want to challenge you not to push back against it, but instead to allow the light of God's word to shine in your life and for you to simply live it out. Not to fight it. Not to say, yeah, I don't know. But what we want to do is we want to live out the light found in the scriptures that we're going to, review, that, that we're going to see today. Because here's what we know. Following Jesus is what's best for all people at all times in every situation. If you ever want to know what to do in a certain situation, follow Jesus. Because following Jesus is what's best for all people at all times in all situations. What about follow Jesus? Yeah, but how about follow Jesus? Following Jesus is what's best for all people at all times, in all situations. The writer of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, who's, who's described as the wisest man to ever live. And so God, God actually asked him, what do you want from me? And he says, I want, I want wisdom. And he says, I'm going to make you wiser than anybody who ever lived. And so here's what the wisest man who ever lived on this planet, past, present, future, wrote to his son in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 Verse eight, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So listen up to what I'm about to say because this is gonna um, be, be a chain of honor around your neck. This is gonna benefit you so much. And he says this, here's the advice he gives. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come, join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our house with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They're trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Solomon is explaining to his son, watch the company you keep. Don't go along with people who are going down the wrong road. Stay away from them because Solomon knows what I just said to you. It is impossible for us to have the right life with the wrong friends. It is impossible for us to have the right life with the wrong friends. And so what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to carefully curate the people who are in our lives. We're going to need to be intentional about it. Because chances are the friends that you have in your life became friends by proximity, Friends because of habit, friends because of mutual interest, friends because of whatever it is, and they're just in your life. I wonder, have you been intentional about going to your friendships and curating your friendships, the levels of your friendships, the people who have greater access to you? Have you curated that so that you have the right people in your life? Because again, it is impossible for you to live the right life with the wrong people. So we're going to go through... Uh, some, some principles, but first we need to determine this. Y- you need to determine this. You need to answer this question for yourself. Am I a thermometer or am I a thermostat? Am I a thermometer or am I a thermostat? Remember the way we take notes is by taking pictures, so you can take a picture of this. Am I a thermometer or a thermostat? So you know what a thermometer is. A thermometer gauges the temperature of the room. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat sets the temperature so the question that you need to determine for your own life is, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Are you the kind of person who, when you walk into a room, when you walk into a crowd of people, like you set the temperature, people rise to your level, or do you stoop to theirs? Do you just kind of go along with the flow, go along with the crowd? Are you a thermometer in that you adjust to whatever it is that's going on? Or are you a thermostat where you set it because you have standards, you got a vision, you have a direction for your life, and you're not going to adjust to what somebody else is doing? When you're hanging out with the guys and they're commenting on every woman who passes by on her body, do you, do you just go along with that thermometer or Do you redirect the conversation to something else, thermostat? When you're you're hanging out with the ladies and they're complaining, they're negative about something, do you stoop to that and begin to complain and say, well, we're just venting, or do you redirect the conversation to talk more about gratitude and to talk about solutions instead of problems? What kind of person are you? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? What we're going to do today is we're going to determine we've got to be thermostats. If we're going to live the right life, we cannot continue to be a thermometer. We have to be a thermostat. We have to be the one who sets the direction, who sets some standards, who sets some principles and says, this is how I'm going to live my life because the thing I've discovered is I cannot live the right life with the wrong friends. So we have to be people who become thermostats. There's, there's this moment in Jesus' ministry where um, he's hanging out with some uh, disreputable disreputable people and uh, some religious leaders see that and they don't like that. They don't think Jesus should be hanging out with these people because Jesus is a religious guy. Jesus is is this this guy who's supposed to be a paragon of virtue, this model for people to to live after. And they see he's hanging out with some some people that they don't think is right. But the reason why Jesus can do this is because he's a thermostat not a thermometer. Here, here's what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. Later, Matthew, and Matthew had just been invited by Jesus to be one of his followers. Matthew was a tax collector, and back then people hated tax collectors because they would uh, not just collect taxes, uh, but they would also skim off the top and they'd charge you more than you owe so that they could line their own pockets. So Matthew was this hated guy, but Jesus says, hey, I want you to come be my disciple. I want you to come follow me. Like, some, some of us, man, what would it be like if you move from this place of thinking God was ticked off at you to like he actually liked you and he loves you and he calls you by name and he doesn't look at you for all your faults, flaws and failures and he doesn't say, what's wrong with you and I can't believe you? But instead, just like Matthew, he looks at you here and now He says, come follow me because the way that I'm gonna lead you is a way better life than what you're living now. So come follow me. Whether you believe it or not, that's the reality of how Jesus looks at you. And that's what God is inviting you to. A life of grace. A life of love. A life of forgiveness. The life you've always longed to live. He says to Matthew, Come follow me. And Matthew gets so excited about it because it's like, wait, you're accepting me? You're embracing me? Me? You want me to follow you? How great is that? He gets so excited about it. Like he he throws a party and he invites Jesus. But then Matthew's thinking through like who he's gonna invite to the party. He's like, wait, I'm a tax collector. I know a bunch of other tax collectors. And I know a bunch of other people who aren't very good. But if Jesus can accept me, If he can invite me to follow him, maybe he can accept them too. Maybe he can invite them to follow him too. Maybe. If he can do something in me, he can do something in them. them. Can I just let you know, some of you have written off people in your life because you think they're too far gone, they're not. Because if Jesus can love even you, and I know some of you, if he can love even you, if he can love me, Oh, man, he can love Randy at the shop. I know you don't, but he, can, he does. He can love Janice in accounting. I know you don't, but he does. Matthew says, I'm throwing a party. So he invites all these people to come. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, the religious people saw this, they asked his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with such scum?" When Jesus heard this, he said, "Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do." See, Jesus could go into an environment like that, yeah, and that's why we exist as a church, because healthy people don't need a doctor. sick people do, and we're all sick. And we're just trying to be healthier, right? But Jesus goes into this environment with all these different people, not as a thermometer, but as a thermostat. He raises the level, and people rise to where he is. We need to be the kind of people who determine we are going to be thermostats. So let's look at some thermostat-type decisions that are going to help us intentionally get the right people in our lives and the wrong people out of our lives so that we can live the right life and discover the more we made for. Here's, here's the first thermostat principle. I will never let a friend distract me from God's plan. You just got to make this determination right now. I will never let a friend distract me from God's plan. Again, we become friends with people in all kinds of different ways. Uh, Sometimes it's just by proximity or work or hobby or whatever it is. And then we call them friends and we give them access to our life. But the problem is some of our friends don't have the same priorities we do. And so they're headed towards something that we're not headed toward. And sometimes they don't even mean to distract us from God's plan, but they do. And we stick around and we allow them to do that. You just got to determine, I will never let a friend distract me from God's plan. What is God's plan for your life? It's for you to be a great husband, for you to love your wife well. It's for you to be a great mom, a dad to your kids, to lead them and love them well. What is God's plan for your life? It's for you to be uh, out of debt. It's for you to be financially free. It's for you to be generous. What is God's plans for your life? Part of his plan is for you to be connected and part of his church. What is God's plan for your life? It's for you to be able to look in the mirror and feel secure about who you are and to know that you're whole and healthy in Him. What is God's plan for your life? It's for you to wake up with gratitude and for you to attack each day, for you to make the most of each day because each day is a gift that's given to you. This is God's plan for your life. So you just gotta determine, I will never let a friend distract me from God's plan. There was a time in Jesus' ministry where one of his closest friends tried to distract him from God's plan, and his friend's name was Peter. Now, now Peter didn't mean to distract Jesus from God's plan. He was actually looking out for him. He thought what he was doing was best for Jesus, but he's trying to distract him from God's plan, because God's plan for Jesus was that he would live a perfect life, a life we can't live, ultimately to die the death that we deserve. Ultimately, Jesus was headed toward the cross. That was God's plan so that on the cross he could take away our sin and forgive us and redeem us and restore us. And that's why uh, later on we're going to celebrate communion. And you have cups in your chairs and there's uh, juice in that cup. It represents Jesus' body that was, uh, his blood that was shed for us. And there's also a cracker there. It represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. When we take communion, we do it reminding ourselves of God's plan that Jesus went to the cross to forgive us of our sins so we don't have to live in them anymore. We don't have to be a victim to that anymore. We don't have to be held in slavery to our guilt and shame and remorse anymore. Jesus took that away. And that's what we celebrate when we take communion. So we're gonna do that a little bit later. But Peter tried to distract him from it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He'd be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Can you imagine reprimanding Jesus? Like, Jesus, how dare you say that? I can't. He takes him aside and begins to reprimand him, like, like I know better than you. Right? Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter, and he said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Dang. That sounds harsh, right? I mean, he said, get away from me, Satan. Like, maybe Jesus could have said this a little nicer. I don't know. I'm not going to second guess the Savior of the world. But he says, get away from me. And, and, and I want to pause real quick and point this out. Most likely, Peter was hurt by this but Peter did not choose the bait of offense. He did not get offended by this. Here's what happens in some of our friendships. Friendships end. There's resentment and bitterness. There's a divide that's created because we choose the bait of offense. I'm I'm certain this hurt Peter's feelings, but he chose not to get Offended. What happens when we get offended is somebody wrongs us. We don't like that and I don't, can't believe in you. Who do you think you are? Why would you? That's something that would end a friendship if somebody said that to you, right? That's if you chose the bait of offense. We cannot choose the bait of offense because offense is a tool that's used by Satan to try and divide us. So yes, you can be hurt, but then you address it, but then you bring it up. Or you look back and say, why is that, what is that? There's this self-reflection that takes place. But if we allow offense to take root in our life, it leads to bitterness, it leads to division. This is why some of the friendships that you had in your life, you no longer have anymore. Because somebody got offended, somebody got mad. Well, you said this, or you didn't call me, or you should have called me, or you you didn't do this, or I thought you were going to do this, and you didn't, and offense took place, and now you're no longer friends. But Peter did not choose the bait of offense. That's a whole different sermon, for a whole another time. But related to this, Jesus refused to allow a friend to distract him from God's plan, and he didn't try and um, explain it and all that. And it's fine if you want to explain it. He didn't, but he cut right to it and. He moved on. And so what this means, and they still stayed friends, what this means is if there are people in your life who are trying to distract you from God's plan, you need to limit the access that they have to you. You may need to eliminate the access that they have to you. I don't know, it's up to you to weigh that, but you have to come to a point where as a thermostat, you say, I refuse to allow any of my friends to distract me from God's plan." And so if you got friends who are constantly asking you to stay out late on Saturday night over and over again, or wanting you to go to the lake on Sunday every single week, nothing wrong with going to the lake, nothing wrong with staying out late, but if it's going to prevent you from being part of God's plan, being part of, which part of God's plan is for you to be connected in the local church, if they're going to continue to distract you from being part of the local church, you just say, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do that. Instead, you turn it around and say, how about you come with me on Sunday? Again, you be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You say, how about you come with me on Sunday so I can introduce you to some of the hope that I'm finding in my own life? Don't be the kind of person who allows people to distract you from God's plan, but you be the kind of person who illuminates some light to show them God's plan for their life so they can start to live the hope that you found. Are you with me? What it means is if you got friends who are materialistic, always going for the next nicer, bigger, better, what faster, whatever it is, and that begins... To lead you in that direction and you're like, oh man, I want the next. That's when you just stop it and say, uh-uh, I'm getting distracted from God's plan in my life because God's plan is not that I would go into debt. God's plan is that I would be generous. God's plan is that I'd be financially free. And oh my goodness, I see the emptiness. I see the cycle that you're in and I want to help deliver you from that. Let me show you a better plan God has for you. You refuse to allow somebody to distract you from God's plan and then you try and help them along to discover God's plan for their life. This is what it means. And, and, and I want to point this out too. I got to say this. If you're going to be a thermostat, living by the light of Scripture, again, we just want to live out the light Scripture says. We don't want to fight. Don't, don't fight against this. You, you can if you want. You can argue with it. You can push back. You cannot do it. it it's up to you. Here's the deal. The life we're living, we're living ultimately all the pitfalls and the downfalls, and all, all that comes from us living our own way, from us trying it our, uh, on our own. So I just want to live out the light of scripture. And so what it means then, if I'm not going to allow someone else to distract me from God's plan, it also means that I cannot be the kind of person who will distract others from God's plan. So don't let others distract you from God's plan, but you don't be the one to distract others from God's plan. Am I losing y'all on this? I hope not, All right. Principle number two. I will not let my friends continually tempt me to sin. Thermostat principle number two, I will not let my friends continually tempt me to sin. When it comes to temptation, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 or chapter 6, verse 18 gives us the proper procedure on how to proceed with this. 1 Corinthians 6 18 says this: Run from sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. And this is true not just with sexual sin, this is true with every kind of sin. You got to run from it. When the temptation comes, you got to run. There was this moment in the Old Testament, this guy named uh, Joseph, was, um, uh, he, was, he was an indentured servant, he was a slave of uh, this guy named Potiphar. So Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers, and now he's a slave of Potiphar. And Potiphar is uh, the commander of the king's guard, uh, Pharaoh's guard. So Potiphar is a uh, very important and prominent man in the nation of Egypt, and Joseph is one of his servants. And Potiphar's wife, who is also a prominent woman, high in rank and role because she's married to Potiphar... And and we don't know Potiphar's wife's name. The scriptures don't give us her name, so we'll just call her Hotiphar. She had eyes for Joseph. And that's a problem for Joseph. Because Hotifer, Potiphar's wife, wants to sleep with him. You get caught sleeping with your master's woman, you're dead. It's no good. So she is trying to seduce him and Joseph keeps saying no no and he keeps he keeps and but then there's this moment where her desire gets the best of her she can't contain herself anymore it says in Genesis 39 verse 10 she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day but he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible Again, Joseph had determined he's going to flee from sin. He's not going to give in to it. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Here's what I want you to see. When Hotterfer comes to grab him, says, come sleep with me, he wiggles out of his cloak and he runs When he sees the hoe come through the dough, he says, oh, no, I got to go, and he leaves. He runs. Some of y'all are going to get mad about this and never come back. You've said worse things in your life, so don't judge me in that. He runs. He says, I got to get out of here. Some of us stick around and try and fight a battle that God is saying run from. I'm, I'm going to stay strong now. I'm not going to give in this time. I'm going to overcome. God said, no, run. Set up some boundaries. Get some people in your life you can be held accountable with and run. And so when your friend is trying to tempt you, you run from it. You say, this is not going to work because I'm trying to follow God's plan and this temptation is not letting me do that. And so when you're hanging out with the ladies for the wine night, because you like the wine night and you like the ladies also, the wine first, then the ladies, they're okay. But you're hanging out with them and they start complaining about their husbands. They start talking negatively about their husbands. Instead of sticking around, you gotta run, because what'll happen is you'll begin to say, this isn't gonna affect me. And then the next day, you start to critique your husband. You start to say, I don't really like that either. And then their attitude begins to rub off on you you got to run. When you're dating that person and you've determined, I'm going to follow Jesus, so I'm going to pursue purity in my relationship because that's what you're doing in following Jesus. I'm pursuing purity in my relationship. We're not going to have sex before we get married. We're going to pursue purity in our relationship because that's where what is God is calling us to, that's what the light of his scriptures teach me. So I'm pursuing purity in my relationship but if you're dating somebody who doesn't have boundaries, who doesn't see things that way and they're continuing it's like, okay, cool, that's fine, no problem and, but, but they continually tempt you to cross those lines and those boundaries you've already determined that you're not going, co- there's a point where you've got to say this is not going to work. You've got to determine I will not allow a friend to continually tempt me because when they do that it distracts you From God's plan. I want to give you a bonus one, real quick. It's this one. I will choose my closest friends from those who are journeying in the same direction as me. I will choose my closest friends from those who are journeying in the same direction as me. When you tether yourself to someone in a friendship, in a business partnership, in a dating relationship, in a marriage, and you're not journeying in the same direction. You're going to end up in two separate places. We understand this when it comes to geography. If one person heads north, the other person heads east, you're going to end up in two different places. But in relationships, we're journeying with somebody who's not heading in the same direction as we are, and we wonder why there's, why there's distance. Why, why, why is there a, a, a distance here? First Corinthians 6.14 says this, don't, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? Again, if we want to live out the light of Scripture, and the Scripture sends light on this truth, that if someone is following Jesus and someone else isn't, they're going to end up in two different places so I just want to let you know if you're a Christian you should not date somebody who's not a Christian because you're following Jesus and Jesus is going to lead you somewhere and they're following their own way and their own way is gonna go not towards Jesus so you're gonna end up in two different places and I know he's cute and I know you've known each other for a long time and he says he loves you but You're going to end up in two different places. It's going to cause tension in your one-day marriage. If you're dating somebody, do not get married to somebody who's a Christian if you're not a Christian because they will wear you out because they're going to talk about Jesus and following him and all that stuff, and you're not going to like it. So I'm just letting you know. Now, if you're already married, you got to figure that out, Right? But I'm talking about entering into a relationship. Don't get into a best friend situation. Don't get into a business relationship. Don't get into a a dating relationship or a marriage if one person is following Jesus because Jesus is going to lead them to a certain place. Jesus is going to teach them to give. Jesus is going to teach them to serve. Jesus is going to teach them to live for others. Jesus is going to teach them so many things. He's leading them in that direction. And if you're not somebody who's following Jesus, you're going to be frustrated by them. Because they're just going to keep talking about it all the time. And they're going to want to pull you on this journey. You're like, I don't want to go. So if you're not a Christian, do yourself a favor. Do not date somebody who's a Christian, who's really following Jesus. And if you're a Christian, do not date somebody who's not a Christian. Because you're going to end up in two separate areas. Well, maybe I can win them over to Jesus. Maybe we can start dating, and then they'll become a Christian. Hey, you can do that and still be friends. You don't have to date them to introduce them to Jesus. So you set some boundaries and you just determine, I'm going to journey, I'm going to tether myself to people who are headed in the same direction. Because if I tether myself to somebody who's headed in a different direction, there's going to be this strain, there's going to be this tension, there's going to be this pulling, there's going to be this, why is that happening? Because we're not heading in the same direction. And when I say, if you're a Christian, uh, what I mean, and in, in, in when it comes to dating, th- this is a big thing. When it comes to dating, I don't mean like, oh, he's a Christian, he goes to church on Christmas and Easter. No, if you're running after Jesus, he needs to be running after Jesus also, and he needs to be the one who's leading you closer to Jesus, not pulling you from Jesus. Again, determined to never let a friend distract you from God's plan. Determined not to be with somebody who's going to continually tempt you. We just want to live out the light of scriptures. I know a lot of people push back against that, but... So what God says, and I don't know. I think he knows better, so. Last one. Last one. And, and, and we're doing all this because, again, it is impossible to have the right life with the wrong friends. And we just want to have the right life. We want to have the life God has called us to. But here, here's the last one, and if you, if you miss this last one, everything else I just said, like you can, you can live it, It'll, it'll work for you, it'll help you. But if you miss this last one, living out these other principles will lead you, could lead you to this mean, nasty place. And you can become like some of the people that you know that you don't like, some of the people who are religious who follow Jesus and it's like, you're the meanest person I know. So you can't miss this last one. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So yes, you're going to set some boundaries. Yes, you're going to put some principles in place. Yes, you're going to say I'm not going to allow people to uh, distract me from God's plan. I'm not going to allow people to continually tempt me. I'm going to make sure that I'm journeying in the same direction with people that I tether myself to. But in all relationships, with all people, with every single person in my sphere of influence, I am am going to love them with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So, you may need to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend after this message. Don't look at them right now. But you can do it in a loving way. And over at Texas, not a loving way. But you can Do it in a loving way. You may need to unfriend some people. And I don't mean on social media, maybe on social media, but maybe in real life. But again, I'm still going to love you. You may need to set some boundaries. You may need to reprioritize some things as a result of this, but in all your interaction with all people, it all needs to be through the lens of showing unconditional love, loving them like Jesus loves them, which means that you don't give up on them. The relationship may change, but I'm not giving up on you. Our time spent may change, but I'm not giving up on you. The direction I'm headed in my life may be different, but I'm not giving up on you. The number one way that you can show people unconditional love in your life is by showing them the love of Jesus and the way that you live and by bringing them to be introduced to Jesus. The number one way you can show unconditional love to people in your life is by introducing them to Jesus. And what we try and do here at Journey is make it so simple, so easy for you to invite people to be introduced to Jesus because all it takes is for you to say, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And hey, we're part of this church. Would you just come and see? All you got to do is say, Sit with me. Sit with me. And we try to produce a service, one that's great and easy for you to invite your friends to. We, 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 we try to have great and amazing music and we try to have great preaching, not subpar, but kind of par preaching. So we try to make it easy for you to invite people to come and see. I'll let you know this. The pinnacle of being on mission here at Journey, if you want to figure out am I on mission when it comes to church and, and, and what's going on here, am I on mission at Journey? The pinnacle of being on mission at Journey is not being in a Bible study. The pinnacle of being on mission at Journey is not giving. The pinnacle of being on mission at Journey is not serving. The pinnacle of being on mission at Journey is inviting people to church and sharing your faith with them so that they will meet Jesus and journey with him because you have some good news that they need to hear. That is the pinnacle of being on mission at Journey. So you just ask yourself the question, am I inviting people to come and see so that they can meet Jesus and journey with him? That's what we want to do. So who in your life needs to get an invitation from you this week? Who do you need to say come and see to? Would you just think of three people right now? We'll wait. Just think of three people. Who are three people? And I'm not talking about somebody who lives four states away. You know they're never coming. I'm not talking about, uh, like, like, who who are three people in your life, in your sphere of influence right now, you just need to say come and see? Here's the danger with something like this. You're going to think of that or maybe not think of it, but you're going to think of it, and then you're not going to do it this week. Can I just challenge you? Send a text this week. Make a phone call this week. Have a conversation this week. Would you just ask those three people? Would you commit to do that? Say yes in your mind. Because you have a hope they need. You've seen a light that's guiding you, and they're stumbling in the darkness. You've experienced the love. They haven't. The most loving thing you can do is introduce them to that. The cruelest thing you can do is keep it to yourself. Who of us would see somebody drowning and say, well, sucks to be you? No, we'd jump in and help them or find somebody who could help them. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Yes, they hurt me. Yes, they wronged me. Yes, they wrote me off. Yes, they, and listen, every sermon that I preach to you guys, you need to know I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. And if you get something from it, good. These sermons are for me because I don't have this all together. And I need to hear this. I will never stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate that love right now as we take communion. And if you've received the good news of God, I want to invite you to take the cups that you have in your chair, you can peel back the layer, take the cracker as a reminder of Jesus' body that was broken for you. And you peel back that next layer and drink the juice as a reminder of Jesus' blood that was shed for you uh, and as you do that would you just remember God's unconditional love God's grace God's forgiveness given to you you didn't deserve it you didn't earn it none of us did God, we do this in remembrance of you. And maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus. To say, I'm gonna fully follow you. I'm gonna live out the light of scripture in my life. I believe that you died for me on the cross and Jesus, you rose again from the dead. And because of that, I wanna make you the leader of my life and be baptized into you. Have you ever been baptized where you made the decision to get baptized, where you're lowered down into the water and you come up a brand new creation, have you ever made that decision? If not, and you believe Jesus died for you on the cross, he rose again from the dead, maybe you still got some questions, that's okay. But you say, you know, I know enough to make him the leader of my life and I wanna be baptized into him. I wanna invite you to make that decision today. Here's the easiest way for you to do it. If you would, just download our app. We'll have the QR code here. Just download the app. On this app, you'll see a form that you can fill out uh, letting us know, hey, I want to get baptized. As you exit, there's our connect area over there. You can talk to somebody on our guide team and say, how do I make a decision to get baptized? And they will help you fill that form out and then we'll be in touch with you this week, answer any questions that you have, talk to you about the process. But if you've never made the decision to get baptized into Christ, that's the number one decision you need to make today. And so would you just download the app and fill that out? And if you haven't downloaded the app, you need to download the app because um, in a couple weeks, we're shifting our model of meeting. We meet like this right now on Sunday mornings for a service, and we're going to be moving to where we're we're meeting one week for a service, and then the next week we're going to meet in groups in homes. And so you can sign up for a group through that app. And our goal is for 100% of the people who are part of our church to be in a group. And the reason why we're doing this is because in rows like this, we get inspired, we get convicted, we get challenged. And hopefully that's how you felt today. Hopefully you are encouraged, you are inspired, you were challenged. But in this model we're moving toward, next Sunday, this isn't happening next Sunday, next Sunday we're meeting here for a service again. But we would meet in groups and then talk about this and see how do we need to live this out in our lives and then we're like doing this together we're on mission together and we get to know one another we build relationships with one another so the person sitting over here isn't a stranger to the person sitting over here but now you get to know one another and that's the church and that's the community that we're seeking to build and that's where we're headed so if you haven't downloaded the app go ahead and put that back up there for me download the app Use it to sign up for a group, because beginning August, for at least six months, we're going to do this experiment. Half of what we do is going to be groups on Sunday morning, and the other half is Sunday service. And if you're not in a group, you're going to miss out on half of what we do as a church. You're going to miss out on the relationships that you could build. You're going to miss out on what I believe God wants to do in and through you, through relationships with others. This whole series is about how to build healthy friendships. Being in a group is an amazing way for you to get to know people and do that. So uh, download the app. From the app, you can also give as well. Uh, And if you've come prepared to give with a check or cash, you can drop that off in the black boxes as you leave today. Um, But everything in your connection with this church is easily accessible through that app. So be sure to download that. Uh, We can't wait to see you next week. Uh, We're ending this series intimacy, and I'm gonna preach from the title Finding Your Crew because I believe that's a thing that so many of us struggle with is finding our crew. One of the best ways for you to find your crew is gonna be in a group. So that's why you gotta sign up for a group, all right? Hey, we cannot wait to see you next week as we conclude this series, intimacy. We'll see you guys then.